Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, it's Drea. It's Jackie. And we are officially back. Welcome back. Happy 2020, guys. Ooh, 2020. <gasps> Hindsight's 2020. Hey. Tonight on 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. Um, so, for our first episode, well, it's our 53rd episode. Or 54th? Bonus. Oh, yeah. For this newest episode, <laughs> we decided to do the Clover Club cocktail. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this cocktail. I had not either. And it's not my favorite. I thought it was fine. Yeah. But would you order? No, with the exception of if if I was out on like a girl's night mm-hmm. and let's pretend Kimberly loved that drink mm-hmm. and she was like, oh my God, Clover Clubs for the whole, like if she was in, like if a friend of mine was into it and wanted us all to have them, I would order it and I wouldn't be bent out of shape about paying $8 to have somebody make me that drink. Oh, man. I bet you I bet you someone else could. I thought we made it pretty well. I think we did, too. I don't um, think we made it wrong. Yeah. And so um, this drink, in case you're wondering, in case you're like me and don't know what it is, um, it's gin, lemon juice, raspberry syrup, and an egg white. And you go shaky, shaky, shaky. Is it shaky. just in your mind that you don't like the idea of the egg white in the drink? No. It kind of tastes, because I had it again last night and like... It tastes a little bit like medicine. It's like not mm. sweet, not tart. It's just meh. It just is. Yeah. I don't know that I would classify it that way. I would. Ju- I, I love raspberries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to have it like with fresh raspberries because we like bought raspberry mm-hmm. syrup. Yeah. I'm cu- like muddling some raspberries, mixing it with some simple syrup. Like I'm curious how like a bartender who like freshly made that drink mm-hmm. if you might feel differently oh yeah definitely and i will 100 percent drink it again i'll never go out of my way to order it though i'm gonna make you order one <laughs> we'll be somewhere strange we'll be in portland and i'll be like <gasps> clover club <laughs> I'll, and i'll be like cloverfield <laughs> uh, yeah we keep calling it cloverfield <laughs> um but yeah if you want the whole recipe and the tutorial video head over to our instagram we have that video up for you guys um but in case you're wondering where the clover club started I'm about to tell you. I'm curious. Um, so it predates Prohibition, and it started in the United States, and it is named for the Philadelphia Men's Club of the same name, which met in the Bellevue uh, Stratford Hotel on South Broad Street. So it's a gentleman's club. Oh, yeah. right. So the Clover Club itself dates to 1896, and... Um, you can see it like in a couple like cocktail books of the time. Um, but the Clover Club, again, um, claims that it invented it in the 1920s. Um, oh, sorry. Club dates to the... Yeah. So the club started in 1882 and lasts until the 1920s. The club. So it's got some Philadelphia roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I essentially got the history from Wikipedia. And I have to tell you guys a a story. I was on Wikipedia the other day looking up some stuff for my story. And it was like, hey, guys, we're a nonprofit. We need donations, blah, blah, blah. Wikipedia, do you? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to graduate from college. I have definitely used Wikipedia for every day of my college life and for researching for this podcast. I'll donate. And so it was like, if everybody donates $275, and I was like, great, I I can afford $275. Mm -hmm. So I did $275 and was like, well, 
if you can also donate 35 cents to cover the transaction fee. And I was like, boom, brilliant. I got you. Done and done. I'm on it. And then just before all this, I was on our website setting up like the donation page. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, if you guys love our show and you feel like giving back, uh, we'd much appreciate any and all donations. And that donation button is on our Killer Cocktails uh, podcast website. Um, but so I'd been tweaking with that button, trying to make it so it wasn't blurry because dang it, WordPress and making images skewed. So I have that fresh in my mind. And then a couple of minutes later, I get this email saying, hey, you got a donation. And I was like, oh, what? Someone just donated to the podcast? That's so... And I was about to like text you and text Kimberly. Get and all then, excited about and it. And then I realized it was just a confirmation of my donation to Wikipedia. <laughs> Do you know where I thought that story was going? <laughs> what? I thought you accidentally donated to us. <laughs> <laughs> no. Both of those are funny. Yeah. Oh, Drea. But, you know... Say lovey. <laughs> um, so that's your short but sweet history of the Clover Club. Um, next time you're at a fancy cocktail bar, I do. It. I do recommend the drink. Yeah, depends on your like flavor profiles and what you like. But mm-hmm. if you like sweeter tasting, uh, fruity's not really how I put it. Berry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel yeah. like if you like Cosmos, you probably would like this drink. Yeah, because this is definitely not a sweet drink. The lemon just really brings the sweetness down which i mm-hmm. i prefer yeah. um but yeah maybe because i know you guys were having me taste the lemon juice beforehand so maybe our lemon was bad we had i don't think it was though bad lemon <laughs> that's the saying is it yeah he's a bad lemon see bad lemon don't start you got egg on your face <laughs> do i use it right no <laughs> i mean maybe it's for the birds doesn't oh, stop it <laughs> It's for the birds. It's for the birds. Um, He's a bad egg or a bad seed. Oh. <laughs> it's not a bad lemon. <laughs> oh, Drea. Yeah. You know what sayings? <laughs> do you know what sayings? Sayings are for the birds. <laughs> for you. Oh, no. All right. Well, I'm done for my end. Okay. I'm going to tell you my story because it's pretty quick. Yay. Uh, so... Welcome back. Short but sweet. Oh, and in case you guys are just joining us, and because it's a new year, new season-esque, new not year, really. New year, new you. New year, new you. Um, this is a true crime comedy podcast, uh-huh. and we... <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and we uh, pick a cocktail, and whatever that cocktail is, the name, the origin story, what have you, the ingredients, kind of inspires us to find these stories. Yeah, there'll be a tie to the drink somewhere yes. in, in our stories. So when... I say my tie or Jackie says her tie. We will point it out to you guys. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, you'll get a tie to the drink somewhere in our stories. Okay. Treya, are you ready for my story? <laughs> yes. Okay. Jackie, I'm so excited that we're back. Me too. Okay. I'm having fun. Are you having so much fun? <laughs> I'm having so much fun. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in the summer of 2014, a Canadian hitchhiker named H.B., made news by crisscrossing their way from Halifax, Nova Scotia, all the way to Victoria, British Columbia. Okay. Okay, so traversed across Canada. There's a horde of them, or what's going on? No, so uh, HB is non-binary. Oh, okay. So I won't be using, like, gender terms. Gotcha. Um, Okay, so it was about 10,000 kilometers, the trip. I don't think that's how far it is from one side of Canada to the other, but that's how long the trip took. Um, It took 26 days. There were 19 rides to make it from one side to the other. Um, HB had a checklist, kind of like a scavenger hunt of sorts. Ooh. 
Ooh, that's kind of fun. Um, things like attend a stranger's wedding, meet an indigenous person, uh, visit specific parks. So things that would make the trip a little bit more exciting because there was a blog and there was a Twitter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so HB took a picture every 20 minutes. Wow. And would uh, tweet it out and update what was going on so people could like follow along on the adventure. That's co- That's really cool. Yeah. So once the Canada trip was complete, and now there's a little bit more, more like notoriety around HB traveling, um, they head to Germany, they go to Netherlands, uh, they're traveling between like famous towns, kind of documenting their travels. Um, and once all of that is like complete, now there's enough like buzz, the next big thing is traveling across the United States. Mm. Like big time, now we got everybody looking. HP is going to be going across the U.S. So July of 2015, HP starts in Marblehead, Massachusetts, like uh, Salem, kind of up in there, um, and heads intends to end in San Francisco. Okay. Um, but there's a checklist. So let me read you some of the things that are on the checklist. Uh, see the lights in Times Square, mm-hmm. pose with the Lincoln statue, uh, tan at Myrtle Beach, uh, experience the magical, wonderful, magical, wonderful world of Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's go to the Arch in Missouri. Hear jazz music in New Orleans. Do the wave at a sports game. So there's like all sorts of like. So oh, one of the things. So see the house from Pixar's Up in Utah. <gasps> I didn't know that it was based on a real house, and I didn't know that it was in Utah. I wait, wait, wait. I've seen a picture online, but I thought it was fake. But it's like this tiny little house between these two, like oh, like an inspiration. Yeah. For, oh, okay, that makes sense. I think. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, but so like a, a cool little checklist kind of, again, kind of aid in the trip. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, two weeks into the U.S. journey, having only crossed off two items from the checklist. Oh, no. On August 1st, 2015, August 1st, July 31st, don't really know when it happened. Um, HB was murdered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, home of the Clover Club. Oh, oh, that's my tie. Oh, happened in, good tie. happened in Pennsylvania. Oh, man. Or uh, Philadelphia. So HB was stripped and decapitated on a park bench in a popular tourist area. Uh, they assumed just waiting for their next ride. Um, HB's body was actually found by fans who'd been following <gasps> the trip. Oh, my God. When news of the attack was made public, a fake surveillance video was made. And, like, circulated of a group beating up HB. What? It was, like, a joke. A joke? So let me show you. Um, there's a picture. It's a little graphic. I'm sorry. Um, this was when HB was found. Oh. Wait. <laughs> Wait. HB stands for Hitchbot and was a hitchhiking robot. Wait. Wait, this is a wait, ro- this wait, is a robot. Wait, that was traveling. Wait, on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> Did you see my face? Just, I was like on a park bench, stripped guys- and decapitated. Was Jackie is now showing me a picture of a decapitated robot. So, <laughs> if you're anywhere near a Google machine, oh my God. Google Hitchbot. Let me show you what Hitchbot used to look like originally. I was going to say, every 20 minutes, that's excessive. Yeah, because it's a robot. <laughs> but I was like, more power to you, man. <laughs> Look at this silly robot. Let's, can you see Hitch, Can you see Hitchbot on the side? 
over there. Oh my god, it's so little. So it, it doesn't walk. Uh, no, it's not mobile. Like okay. he, people have to move it. Uh-huh. So Hitchbot has like a bucket for a head <laughs> with a display uh-huh. and pool noodle arms and legs. <laughs> And uh, like nice, like everyone points out that the boots are wellies. Like, yeah, it's important that people know that the boots are wellies. The idea was that the kindness of stranger, like people would get Hitchbot, they'd find Hitchbot, mm-hmm. and they would know what was on the checklist or where Hitchbot needed to go, and they would like strap it into their car and like it would join their travels. Like, there's all sorts of fun stuff on the blog, and there's like YouTube cool. videos. And then it did not last for, like, again, made it all the way across Canada, traveled yeah. through Germany, went through the Netherlands, two weeks in the United States, and it ended up deca- <laughs> de- decapitated on a park bench. So do they know what happened? No. Oh, no. Like, it didn't take pictures during that time, obviously. They don't have any pictures of the criminal. Yeah. they're. Was it stripped of anything? Like, did they want the computer Yeah, like, they inside? say it was stripped. Like, there wasn't anything of value to steal from it was straight up just because you could. Someone was like, look at this cute little robot. No. Because it was just sitting on a park bench waiting for the yeah. next person to come across it. Living its best life. Yeah. Going across country. Dude, Hitchbot had already been to Fenway Park oh my and God. had seen the lights in Madison Square Garden oh. or at, uh, what was it, Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's the next step? Do they make it uh, HB2 or? Yeah. So <clears throat> the original, so I guess the Hitchbot that was decapitated in the US was either the second or third version of. What happened to the other ones? Um, They just, I think, updated and like made it. I'm not really sure. The original original that went across Canada uh-huh. is in a Canadian museum. Okay. And there's talk of like once all that kind of happened then there were people in the united states that were like we're not awful like we're so sorry that happened in the in the city of brotherly love uh but like let's give you money for a new hitchbot let's make hitchbot Aww. again like so there's a little bit of a resurgence of like hey we can do it right like yeah give us a chance yeah that's crazy yeah and that's, that's that's your story that's okay. my story <laughs> the, the story of the murder of hitchbot um, my buddy frank we were texting and he was like you have to tell the story of this hitchhiking <laughs> robot that got killed because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I go, ooh, I will find. And then I was like, Kimria, give me a drink. I need to tie this robot into this podcast somehow. Oh, my God. Well. And I'm- you know how I am with robots. Yes. And the fact that people like, so there's all this stuff that bubbles up from this in that uh, they definitely like humanized the way because it, it would talk to you too. Like oh. it is worth looking up YouTubes of Hitchbot because it would, everyone that hung out with Hitchbot was like, it was awkward because hitchbot (laughs) had uh like voice recognition software Uh and so you'd be like sitting in a car and you'd be talking about whatever and hitchbot like a total somebody with no social skills would just interrupt (laughs) and it would be totally off topic Uh so like you'd all be talking about whatever and then hitchbot would be like did you know that blah 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 (laughs) like it would just be unrelated and everyone was like cool hitchbot (laughs) Who let this guy in the car? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy, huh? Yeah. Why would you beat up a robot? Because they're gonna take over the world, Drea. Oh, Jackie, I showed Jackie um, this AI Connect Four game on the oh. computer, and you can play against the AI, or you could put the AI against AI. But anytime you play against AI, you will lose. It's called Connect for AI Unbeatable. This is why I don't understand why we keep trying to strive for independent robots. Yeah. They're 
they will 100% be better than us Mm -hmm. and invincible. Yes. In a certain regard, they are invincible. What are we doing? We've all seen Terminator. (laughs) I think in some aspect, we're trying to better the world. Because they can maybe come up with a cure for cancer or get us to Mars completely and like live there. Explore the deep realms of the ocean floor. I know. Yeah. I'm nervous about it. Yeah. As you should be. I won't go off too far on this tangent, but I will put this out there because I want other people to think about it. Yeah. I consider myself a progressive liberal person, but when push comes to shove, when it comes to legislation, I don't. I'm not going to let robots vote. Why are you whispering? Because it's, I don't like the idea that that's how I feel. It feels like I'm on the wrong side of history. Because you won't let robots vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, like, I don't think I care. People can marry robots. What do I care? But I didn't, no rights. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. We might have to cut all of this. It's very, I consider it very inflammatory. Um, I haven't quite decided. I think I'll need to be in the midst of it to really... Because I think within our lifetimes, we are going to be challenged with, you've got this robot class that needs representation, and they want to have people in Congress, and why shouldn't they? But why should they? Yeah. I love this debate because I (laughs) love how wrong I think I am. Yeah. If you guys want to debate Jackie I am open to the dialogue. I want to be convinced otherwise, but I am not convinced otherwise. Hit us up on our Instagram DM messages. Yeah. Tell me why I need to let robots vote. (laughs) I'm very excited to read these comments. Me too. Um, I don't want to be wrong, <laughs> but that's how I feel. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Sorry to all of our robot <laughs> listeners. <laughs> beep, boop, Get beep, back boop. to work. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, your references? Oh, yeah. So uh, the Hitchbot website, I think it's hitchbot.me, the Wikipedia page about Hitchbot, uh, got an NPR article, and then I listened to the podcast Tech Stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a pretty entertaining. I guess it's a podcast that's been around for like ten years or so. It was pretty entertaining. The two guys talking about talking about Hitchbot. Nice, awesome. Um, okay, so we're gonna take a really quick break to hear our messages from our people. That's a thing. Bye pillows. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You know, people have like my pillow. <laughs> like there's commercials. <laughs> there's commercials. Commercials exist. Hey guys, it's Drea. This is Jackie. And this is our midsection just kind of conversation to you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, Bye, pillows. <laughs> no. Um, we, um, long story short, we decided not to get a Patreon. Um, mm, that's right. Just because... It's another thing to learn. It, things to learn. That There's <laughs> other fees involved with it. Um, there's other stuff in the media about it. Um, so we just decided to put a plain old donate through PayPal button on our website. Um, we are um, doing all this from self-supported, from yeah. scratch, self-supported. We love doing it. Um, we do need some help. Um, we need some new equipment. Um, and we do need to pay for this bar tab that we're running up to make mm-hmm. all these cocktails. Um, so if you love this uh, podcast, friends and family love this podcast, any donation would uh, help and be much appreciated. Um, that would just make our 2020 amazing. Yeah, it'd be like our little, what, this is like our uh, PBS pitch, like, from listeners like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we feel the love constantly, and we, we appreciate all the support from you guys. And, you know, ultimately, that's why we came back from our break, and we're excited to bring you new episodes. 
Oh, real. All right. Now back to the program. Drea, tell me your murder. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> um, so we're going to jump into my murder. So we're doing the Clover Club. Um, so we're going to jump right in. So my story starts in 1981 in this old small town called Clover, South Carolina. Nicely done. Clover Club, Clover, South Carolina. Ding, 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 ding. I like my tie. It's a good tie. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so there's a sweet older woman named Melva Neal, whom everyone calls Miss Mel. And most people know her around town, and she's a sweet, quiet, church-going woman. And she's 82 years old, so she's like your grandma. Um, and then on September 16th, um, she miss she misses a morning appointment. And this is super out of character for her. So her neighbor's like, mm, I'm going to go check on her. So the neighbor heads over to a Miss Mel's house. And when the neighbor gets there, they see that this, the front door is wide open and the screen door is closed. And is it a but it's unlocked. an automatic? Mm-hmm. Clo- yeah. Well, I don't know that to be true, okay. but it's closed. Um, so the neighbor's like, mm, this feels weird. I'm going to call the police. Um, so the police arrive. And at first, everything looks, you know, in its place. It seems normal. Um, but then they head back into her bedroom. And her entire bed is covered in blood. Whoa. Just, it's this everywhere. This lady? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some random items, like, around the room, like a church newsletter and Mrs. Mel's personal zucchini bread recipe. So it's just kind of like in the room. Okay. Um, Strewn about in a way that in some ways gaining attention. Mm -hmm. And so they keep searching the house and this part is um, graphic. Um, They find Miss Mel dead in her bathtub. Uh, They would later find out that someone had tortured Miss Mel on her bed, sexually assaulted her, and then brought her into the bathroom and strangled her to death. Whoa. Why? I don't know. Well, yeah. Um, some items that are missing from the house, um, some cash is gone, some jewelry, and more specifically a pendant made from an 1881 gold coin that Dang, was like okay. on a necklace. Um, but besides that, they had no leads. And until three days later, when they received an anonymous call from a woman saying, Sterling Span killed that woman. Whoa. Mm-hmm. They would have gone nowhere without that call. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Potentially. So police know Sterling. He's this high school dropout. He's 19 years old at the time. And they know him for liking dope and like mm-hmm. drinking. And so he's the youngest of six kids. And his mother is this respected school teacher in the community. Um, so far, his brothers and sisters, they've all left town and they've gone to college. And mm-hmm. he's the only one who's stayed. And the family describes him as he's just this nice guy. And he's always just happy-go-lucky. And so the police arrest Sterling and they find out that he had worked for Miss Mel on some yard work and he had lived just a few blocks away from her. Okay. Um, And then um, they take in the evidence they found, like the church newsletter and the recipe, and they dust it for fingerprints and Sterling's prints are a match. But they also find a gold coin from 1881 in his pocket. That's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, yes. Play devil's advocate. Yep. Could this kid with a drug problem, is that accurate? Uh, I don't know. A history of drug use. Oh, drug use? Yeah. So could this kid who did some work for this old lady, is it possible that he just robbed her? Maybe. Okay. Um, So uh, Sterling tells the uh, the police that a man named Cool Breeze had given him the coin a couple days ago. Cool. And uh, he was this guy with, like, red hair and freckles, and the police are like, no. his name was Cool Breeze? Uh Uh-huh. No. Okay. This is made up. 
Okay. Cool Breeze doesn't exist. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm on record as saying Cool Breeze is not a real person. Okay, perfect. He says that this man has red hair. He has freckles, like blue eyes. Um, and the, the police are like, nobody like that lives around here. They're like me. Uh-uh. They're uh-uh. calling bullshit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so Sterling goes to trial and he's charged with capital murder. And there's a ton of ed- evidence against well, it's him. What's bad? If he did it, like, that's bad. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of evidence against him. Um, but the one thing that they had to defend him was his alibi. And uh, his alibi was that he was with his grandmother the night of the murder. And his gra- grandmother is, like, stable in the community. Everybody loves her. And church, she's not just lying to help her grandson. Church going, yeah. Um, however, when she goes to take the stand... They hand her the Bible to swear uh, on, and she falters. She, like, won't put her hand on it to the point where the clerk has to, like, take her hand and put it on the Bible. So they still do that? Mm-hmm, I guess. At least yeah. back then. Yeah. And so the jury was like, oh, well, what's this? She doesn't want to lie and, like, touch the Bible. Interesting. And so immediately, like, mm, we really think he did it. So in less than 90 oh, minutes... That's- Let's pretend that, I, that was unrelated. Like, she's just being an old lady, and there's mm-hmm. something else going on inside her. Yeah. Thing, little things happening during trial mm-hmm. can have major impact from what you wear to how you have to sit, mm-hmm. whether you have to be like in a cage looking thing versus it's no, it's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm sticking up for this guy when normally I'm like, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> so in less than 90 minutes, the jury finds Sterling guilty of first degree murder and he is sentenced to death in the electric chair. Can you imagine just sitting there for like an hour and a half? Like it only taking an hour and a half to decide oh. that someone's going to die? No. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Even if I eat, like, I would annoy everybody in my jury because even if it was so obvious and they had made a great case and it was like ironclad, Mm -hmm. I would be wiffle waffle wanting to go over every little piece. I would want to be so damn sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he gets charged um, and he does his first appeal and it fails. So he does a second one, a third one. How many do you get? Um, well, he goes, he goes up to five and they all fail. Um, and his major complaint was that he had ineffective counsel and he had two public, uh, defenders. And, um, after the first day, um, uh, so he had two public defenders and then after the first day, his mother was like, you know what? They're not on your side. So let me spend money to get this like expensive lawyer that will help you. And the thing was the family kept saying all the lawyers that would represent him just thought he was guilty. And so okay. you could see it in the way that they were. They're just trying to get it a lessened. They're trying mm-hmm. to like, yeah. but they don't think he didn't do it. To the point where like um, Sharon, uh, Sterling's sister, remembers that like the one, the lawyer that they paid for, like during the one of the appeals, kept calling Sterling the wrong name, kept calling him Stanley and did it 22 times. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sorry. If you're the judge and the lawyer says the wrong name, aren't you calling them out? let's let the first one pass but the second time be like that's not your client's name yeah like are you in the right courtroom sir yeah weird um so the da had um what they called overwhelming um evidence but it was all really circumstantial yeah and there's no a lot hinges on this call Mm -hmm. which is very damning but also like anybody can make a call and say anything well and the fingerprints and the coin yeah um, and there was no forensic evidence like hair or other fibers connecting him to the crime scene. That's what I'm saying. Like, you you can construct a story where an old lady tried to give a kid working on her property 
a pamphlet about church, mm-hmm. wanted to give him a recipe, mm-hmm. and either gave him a coin or talked about, and he stole, like, the coin's debatable, maybe he stole it, I don't think an yeah. old lady would give that to him, but, like, you can create another narrative that isn't nefarious. Yeah. And he hadn't been working at her yard for, like, a couple months now. Yeah, but, like, yeah. you know, I feel like a fingerprint on a piece of paper... Doesn't exactly point to, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So the state never found any eyewitness who could put Sterling at the murder scene. And Sharon, uh, Sterling's sister, says her brother had an alibi witness besides their grandmother. And there was a young man whom he had been playing cards with that night who would confirm that Sterling was never near Mrs. Uh, Miss Mel's house. Um, but nobody ever had him come up to testify. Hmm. And the reasoning was they're just teenagers. They don't really have any okay. say. Um, so many jurors thought it meant that she couldn't, oh, so back to why the grandmother couldn't put her hand on the Bible. So many jurors (laughs) thought it meant that she, uh, couldn't tell the truth, but, uh, Sharon Sterling's sister says that it was because the grandmother thought it was sacrilegious, sacrilegious to bring a Bible into a courtroom. Oh. So that's why she was like. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, "Mm -hmm." there's, I jump to conclusions all the time and then there's a, a backtrack, you know, a backtrack and a, well, am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And so she also says that Sterling begged to go on the stand himself to refute the evidence against him, but the lawyers advised him to keep silent. Because they thought he did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little side note, uh, Sterling is African-American. Okay. And this kind of like wider community. Okay. Um, so while the appeals are going on, uh, Sterling is kept in a five by seven cell for 23 hours a day and not allowed out of his cell at all during the weekends. Mm. Um, nine years after he went uh, on death row... His childhood sweetheart, Jackie, hey. came to visit, and they were married um, in the death row-like area a year later. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and so his sister, Sharon, started going from state to state trying to get anyone to believe Sterling, Sterling's innocence. Who made that phone call? Uh, we, uh, we, we never know. Hmm. Um, and so she's like, anyone. Like, my brother is innocent. Like, I need yeah, anyone's yeah. help. And then 13 years later... A private investigator named Pete Skidmore happened to be visiting death row, and he recognized Sterling. And he was like, oh, my God, we played football together at Clover Middle School. What are you doing here? Clover. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I'll just keep saying it. Yeah. Clover, Clover. Um, and Pete explained to Sterling that um, as long <clears throat> as Sterling would always tell him the truth, that he would take the case he's like Hmm. i don't know if i believe that you are innocent and like i kind of think you're guilty but i will take your case if you always promise to tell the truth to me um and so pete you know leaves uh the prison and he's like i don't think i'll find anything but i'll start digging and so just 60 days before um miss mel was killed he found out that another widow was found dead in a house just blocks from where sterling and miss mel lived how is that not a thing Mm mm-hmm and so that victim... I'm irritated. <laughs> Is this the part you thought would get me? Oh, it's... it's The whole thing's irritating. Just wait. So that victim, too, was an elderly white woman, and she, too, had been sexually assaulted, uh, strangled, and covered with water in her bathtub. How... It... Mm-hmm. Does that ever get brought up? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Not I mean, in the first case. Like that's, he's, No, that's what yeah. I'm saying. No, it was never brought up. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because they were never connected. They... Oh, I'm so upset. Mm-hmm. So Clover, same city or same city? Oh, come on, <laughs> come on, Clover. We weren't there. Clover police did not pursue pursue a murder investigation. They merely noted suspicion suspicious circumstances. So that's found out, and then um, another case happened. 
Court files revealed yet another murder 60 days after Miss Mel died. You've got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) Yet another white woman, same murder method, same horrible death. Mm -hmm. Where is he at this point? Is he in jail? Yes. He's been, he's on death row. No, no, no. You said 60 days after Mel. So he's in custody. The phone Mm -hmm. call had been made. Mm -hmm. He's like, he 100% couldn't have done that Mm -hmm. third one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird that I was sticking up for him in the beginning? I didn't know. I thought he was guilty. Uh-huh. Snap judgment. This is interesting. Strap in. It's going to get crazy. There's m- oh, okay. Oh, it's so... I have like 15 pages. 17. Okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to win? Um, so then he realized... Oh, so the PI is like finding all this out and he's like, this is crazy. There's no way this I, is sterling. I can't... I'm... As a listener, uh-huh. the excitement level, I, I can't even imagine being that dude and <laughs> yes. discovering all that and being like, what the fuck? Yes. And so... Um, he's figuring all this out and then he realizes that someone has been convicted of killing the third woman in his, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, we'll, we'll see. So the confessed killer was a former minister, an odd job, and he did like odd jobs and his name is Johnny Hullett. And in 1969, he had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and he had, he had told the um, psychiatrist that he had dreams and nightmares of seeing his grandmother's head roll toward him while he was at work. Like he could just, like he sees. He's, yeah. Yeah. And Holt's um, wife at the time testified that her husband had often beaten and sexually assaulted her and their daughter. Mm. Um, and then he had worked um, on a produce route that took him right by the houses of the other two el- elderly murder And victims. he's got this thing about older women. So... Pete, the PI, keeps uh, digging because now he completely believes that Johnny is the killer. And, and he's actually a serial killer. Yeah. And he finds out that one of the police officers at Miss Mel's crime scene had drained the water in the bathtub while she was still in it before they could gather evidence. And so that's like tampering with the scene. So then he's like... Uh, I mean, yes, that is what it is. Uh-huh. Tampering has such a connotation to it. Yeah, sorry. Would you say intentional or just like... I think it was... He wasn't thinking, and yeah. he was probably thinking, oh, this reminds me of my grandmother. I want to... Yeah. 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 Um, he also discovered that police had allowed Miss Mel's friends to clean up the blood and mess left by the killer, that a plumber had been allowed to remove a blood-soaked sponge and some papers from the toilet and throw them away before anything what was collected. What in the good goddamn? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. And then, and then they this checked This is the 80s? Ha- We're in the early 80s? Uh-huh. Hmm. No, no, late 80s. Late 80s. Okay still and so that was all before again before they checked for any evidence and they found a caucasian hair samples but no african-american hair fibers in the house and they were never tested and they are no longer in evidence the caucasian hairs that they did find so the pip goes to talk to johnny since he's sitting in prison for a life sentence for this other murder and so while he's there he's talking to yeah can you just get this guy to confess Uh uh-huh yeah because he's like none of this evidence is going to work in my favor yeah and so i'm going to go talk to johnny maybe he'll say something and so while he's talking to johnny johnny says that he he didn't kill miss mel but his brother did what and that in the world and that he waited outside the house and he insisted that sterling is innocent his brother Mm mm-hmm is he saying his brother did all of them and he was always outside or just that one? He's saying for this one. Are him and his brother in some sort of weird cabal? No, he said that 
they had driven up to the house and he said that his brother went inside to collect money from Miss Mel because he had done some work okay. and that he waited in the car during the whole thing. And then his brother comes out. But he did also kill another lady. Yes. Johnny did. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. Okay. So, um, but he keeps saying Sterling is innocent and he shouldn't have to pay for something he didn't do. Where's Johnny's bro? We don't know yet. So, um, the police are like, cool, that's all great. We're not going to open the case again. It's hard admitting fault. (laughs) And so PIP is just like, you know what? This is insane. I'm going to the media. I've been working on this for years now. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I quit. I'm quitting the case. I'm out. No. He quit his private detective business and he started selling copying machines. Oh, he's over the injustice of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boof. But then, like, as he's selling these copying machines and he's going about his daily life, he's like, I made a promise to Sterling. Yeah. This isn't right. So he gets back at it and he calls the media and he has the media come. Get everyone outraged. Come meet him at the jail to interview Johnny. And Johnny, um, he just tells them, like, the same story that he told Pete. And so they called in uh, a renowned forensic psychiatrist and they have him come talk to Sterling and Johnny. And Dr. Emmanuel Tani, who who specializes in the study of sex crimes, says for Johnny to blame his brother, who, by the way, denies any involvement, is standard behavior for psychopaths like Johnny. Um, And he has no doubt that Johnny murdered all three elderly women. Okay. And so... um, he like did some more investigating on Johnny and he has like um, a history of torturing members of his family and he did all kinds of things that are characteristic for a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and do, 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 do. I imagine Sterling comes out differently in these interviews. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> and then when asked about Sterling, he said, yes, there's like no way it's, it's, I would say impossible that Sterling could ever commit these crimes. So then Sterling's lawyer, John Bloom, called in an equally well-known pathologist to examine the autopsies that detailed the way those that the three women were killed. Mm-hmm. And um, when he examined, examined them, there was one bone that remained unbroken, the hoid. Hyoid. Hyoid. And um, they said it's, it's like uncommon. Do you remember when the strangle guy talked about this? Mm, no. In the strength, so when we went to CrowdSolve, they had a guest speaker who did a talk about stranglings and because I think Epstein was in the news at the time mm-hmm. and he was talking about how what a big deal they were making of the highway bone. Uh-huh. And he goes, people don't, he goes, <clears throat> outside of the world of whatever, I'll call it forensics, um, he goes, a lot of hubbub gets made about the hyoid boy and he's and people don't really understand it and they'll think it means one thing, whether it's broken or not. And he, he goes, it, it really just is indicative sometimes of what they say. So, yeah. So this guy's bringing up this hyoid bone. That, mm. I keep saying boing. <laughs> hyoid bone. bone. Uh-huh. Um, all three women, it wasn't broken. Correct. Because they like to talk about when you're getting strangled, whether mm-hmm. it breaks or not. Yeah. So he was saying that it shows consistency throughout all three murders. Mm-hmm. And it's more likely than that, it's the same person doing the, the strangulation. So then they bring in FBI profiler uh, Robert Ressler, and he also concludes that it has to be the same killer. And it's based on his research. Um, it is very rare, he he told Bloom, for a black man to commit psychosexual serial killings, where rare still that such a disturbed 
man would target white woman, white mm. women. So, like, from his profile's perspective, it also doesn't fit. It was like, this, it would be very out of the norm. Yes. So then you have to wonder, but what about the ev- other evidence, like the coin in Sterling's pocket? So Sterling this whole time said this man, Cool Breeze, gave him the coin. <laughs> and I know you called BS. I know. <laughs> right off the bat. Um, but he never changed his story. Yeah. And so in the press, it actually became... Why is Cool Breeze giving him a coin? What is... Ster- like, Sterling's like, this guy just gave me this thing. Mm-hmm. That's the story? Yeah. There's more to it. So um, this Cool Breeze guy became like a joke in the media. Like He's a joke to me right mm-hmm. now. The PIP is like back talking to Johnny. And Johnny keeps bringing up this guy, Jesse Pruitt. Okay. And the PIP was like, who, wait, who is this guy that you keep bringing up? He was like, oh, he's my friend. And he's like, oh, like what color hair does he have? Oh, he's got red hair. And what, like, what else does he have? Oh, he has like freckles. What? And like he'd come visit me in Clover. And so he's like, oh my God, this is cool breeze. Hold on. I think I got my wires crossed. Who has this friend, Jesse Pruitt? Johnny. Johnny's the Johnny kid. does. Mm-hmm. Okay. I transposed those names in my mind mm-hmm. and I thought that uh Sterling. Sterling was telling a story about no. how there was this friend of his with red hair, and I was like Quit using two names for the same guy. No, 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 no. Johnny has a red-haired friend named Jesse Pruitt. Wow. And so now they have a name to the guy oh, called Cool Breeze. I'm annoyed again. Uh-huh. But it's been 20 <clears throat> years now. So they're like, there's no way we're going to find cool him. Cool Breeze. <laughs> so um, they do some more research. They track down this woman. And she says that Jesse now lives under an overpass somewhere in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. So they're He's like, transient. So we're like, ugh. How are we We're ever going to find yeah. Cool Breeze? So they start driving through Oklahoma because, like, this is the only thing we have to go on. Yeah. And Diane, Diana Holt, who's now um, one of uh, Sterling's defense attorneys, she's driving around. They're driving around. They're like, we're never going to find this person. And then there he was, redheaded as he could be, freckles, blue-eyed. There was Cool Breeze right there. And he confirmed the story with the details about the gold coin. Crazy. And uh, so they're like, boom, shaka, I mean, I'm, I'm eating my words. <laughs> We're going to win this. Like, we have everything here. So they're stoked, and they head back. And then the prosecutors, in the meantime, hear wind of what's going on. So they track down Jesse, and they get him to sign a statement saying he had made the whole thing up. What benefit? I don't... I don't like feeling... Because I don't know this to be true. I don't like feeling... The idea that a prosecutor would do something just to not be wrong. Yeah. Well, I think you're saving the reputation of the state. You are finding justice for the person who can't now defend themselves. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just, I'm irritated by, are you in your mind not thinking that you're coercing somebody? Are you like... I don't know who got to them and is having them say this story. Let's make sure we get him saying, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But I then, just, I'm annoyed by it. Well, as the story goes on, Jesse's story will flip-flop. And so does... Well, he's living yeah. under a bridge. Yeah. Um. So there's that evidence that was proven and now put yeah. aside. So now we're we, a roller coaster of emotion. Mm-hmm. We're only halfway through. So now we have Sterling's fingerprints for the evidence. Like, what what's going on with that? So... P.I.P. believes that he has the answer. He says that police investigators had been as sloppy with paperwork 
as they had with, with all the other evidence, and they allowed a close friend of Miss Mel to remove those critical papers from the crime scene, and they kept them in their attic until the police came back later and got them. So hmm. he's like, they've been tampered with. Not tampered, sorry. They've... Yeah. They're out of police... Chain of custody. Yes, exa- exactly. And then police say that they found Sterling's prints on these documents. However... This is a great story. Thank you. This is... So Jackie... I have to say something. Jackie told me that she had found the best story and it was going to blow my mind. it was so funny to and me. And so I kept postponing this recording because I was like, no, my story's not good enough. My story's not good enough. And then I finally found this one. And I was like, I think I might have a fighting chance. It's so good. You're the worst. And then mine is so silly. I told you you were going to be mad. <laughs> so mad. But this story's so good. It's I'm glad so good. I inspired yeah. you to find this wonderful story. <laughs> um, and I couldn't find this anywhere. Like, there's a couple articles, and I'll reference this them at the end. There was no podcast I could find. Um, no YouTubes. Okay. So here we go. So the documents with his fingerprints on them. There was no other fingerprints found on those papers, not even Miss Mel's fingerprints, and not even the friend who had picked up the papers and took them to their hmm. house and put them in their attic whoa and yet sterling's prints were on it and Clearest they were day. pristine yeah so while in custody so this is pi pete's theory while in custody the police had sterling handle several papers bullshit what are you doing i don't want to say that they've set them up because mm-hmm. i don't know that to be true but like you, it's common enough in the stories that we tell which are going to be the outlier stories mm-hmm. Where someone feels so strongly that someone's guilty mm-hmm. that they'll do things to ensure mm-hmm. that they're found. Like, and that the ends do not justify the means. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, the PI's Pete's um, motive for the police officers doing this was essentially the state's theory all depended on these fingerprints and yeah. if they didn't have that they didn't have anything um and there was no forensic evidence putting sterling at the scene of the murder and prosecutors said that sterling left his fingerprints on the papers while he was brutally assaulting miss may in the bedroom hmm. and so they asked for an appeal and he actually gets like um not a retrial it's like a it's an appeal it's the thing you do before the appeal maybe to get a retrial. I think I understand what you're saying. So John Bloom, his defense attorney, goes in and he he's allowed to bring in a mattress into the courtroom. And with the state's lead investigator on the stand, Bloom demonstrates graphically the improbability that anyone could commit a violent act on a bed, come in contact with two pieces of paper, and leave pristine fingerprints without even wrinkling the paper. Because there's no blood or anything like that. Yeah. It's like, it's imp- it's impossible. And so um, they thought they had it in the bag. They're like, we're going to get this appeal. We're going to get a retrial. Um, but the court ruled that it would not overturn the convic- conviction because evidence uh, exonerating Sterling could have been presented at his original trial, but it wasn't. But it could have. So they're like, it's not. you're not bringing any new evidence in. So there's no reason to have what a retrial. What backwards thinking is that? Okay. The law at work. Yeah. So now Sterling is facing execution within months. So um, they took it to the South Carolina Supreme Court. They're like, shot in the dark. We got to we gotta do a Hail yeah. Mary. Um, and only once in a century had the state Supreme Court granted a new trial under such circumstances. Mm. So real shot in the dark. Yeah. So five months after the justices had heard all the evidence and all the reasons why he should get a retrial and why he should get a second chance. Um, they decide um, that he would not be exonerated, but he would get a new trial. 
So they didn't pardon him. They didn't mm-hmm. say, but they were like, you at yes. least deserve a new yeah. trial. And at this point, he's been on death row for 18 years and he's 36 years Jeez. old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so he, he's no longer in prison. He's like waiting trial. So he has to wear an electronic bracelet so while he, he waits. So like he's like out on bail. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, which is amazing. Yeah. And like while he's out, like his friend recalls like taking him to a Walmart and they like essentially immediately had to leave because it was overstimulating. Yeah. He just like couldn't been handle it. Been in jail it. for 18 years. And he's been in solitary, like on death row. For 18 years? Mm-hmm. So him and his wife. They're still married. They get a house in Clover, and it's his grandmother's house, and it's just blocks away from where Miss yeah. Mel had died. But this is, like, his home. This is all he knows. Yeah. And everything's so different now, so he's not going to venture out um, into another city. And so it took him a couple months to find a job, but he starts working at a restaurant, and um, and he's, like, in the back so customers can't see him. But mm-hmm. customers find out that he works there, and so they have to let him go. So that keeps happening with a couple jobs. And it seems like the prosecution might be letting everything go because it's been almost like a year now. And, and they have to like file new charges. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Okay. And so um, and they get a new prosecution. Because that's one option when you get a new trial is they can decide we're not going to get another conviction. We're not going to pursue this. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. And so they have a new prosecutor and his name is Tommy Pope. And um, his father was once the sheriff of that county. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the defense is stance is that the police... We're doing a setup against Sterling does not sit with him. Tommy's going to be the prosecutor and he starts digging up evidence of his own. So um, during his investigation, he finds that the police had tested the papers for fingerprints and they matched Sterling's. And that's where they got the warrant to go arrest Sterling. So he's saying he couldn't have been handed these papers yes. in the jail because. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there was also another print on a window that had never been submitted, which also matched Sterling's print. And then there was also a drop of blood on the carport floor underneath that window where Sterling's fingerprint was found. So it's on the outside of the house. Okay. And Miss um, Mel's blood type is type B. Johnny's and his brother's type A. And the blood drop on the carport is type O, which is the same as Sterling's. Yeah. Tommy Pope sends an investigator out to talk to Jesse. And that's when they get that signed statement that he made it all up. And when they were talking to him, Pruitt is just giving this rambling account of giving away the coin like years after Miss Mel was killed. Okay. So now his story doesn't match up with anybody's story. Because I mean, he's just talking. Mm-hmm. He just wants free cheeseburgers and sodas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Um, um, Pope goes and brings more investigators out to talk to Johnny, the one who's sitting in prison for the uh, third murder. And uh, Johnny's saying, like, I had to do what I had to do to try to get my case back in court. So he's like, I was going to say anything that they wanted me to say because okay. I want my my case to be heard and I want to be back in the media. And so now, now everyone's, like, retracting everything. Okay. And so then the prosecutor's like, well... What if Sterling had committed just two of the murders? Because I know they're trying to say it's a serial killer. So what if he killed Miss Mel and Mary Ring, which was the first woman? And not the third that's exactly the same? Yeah. Later on, they're going to say how the third one's different. Okay. So not only was jewelry taken from Miss Mel's house, but from Mary Ring's too. And um, they said it was a it was on a keychain with a key and I believe a cross and some other items of jewelry um, around the house. And then... Um, one of the things was like a tie tack. And he said that when they searched Sterling's pockets, not only did he have this coin, but he also had this tie tack. That looks bad. Mm-hmm. So then um, the prosecutor, uh, Pope, he's like, okay, 
We're going to do this new trial. I see why the prosecutor feels like he's got a case. He is coming up with some stuff where it's like, I think this guy's hoodwinked everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't think his intentions are malicious. You are taking me left and right. (laughs) I think he just really wants to find the truth. Mm -hmm. But his motivation kind of to like look at the case was like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to. If you are saying that there's police corruption, then we need to find it and we need to stop it. Now I understand what you were the point you were trying to make earlier and yeah. I wasn't hearing. Sorry. Um, but again, the defense has a counterattack. And for th- for three years, Sterling has been out in the world on yeah. this like electric bracelet thing. Yeah. And he um he It's gotta be annoying. Sometimes oh, I don't yeah. wanna wear my watch. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, not knowing what your future holds. Oh. <laughs> I just meant physically, I imagine an ankle bracelet doesn't feel great. Definitely. Um, So he has a job. He's enrolled in welding classes. Um, He put down payment um, on a house. And um, he's also saved money for um, getting representation in his case. Um, They go to trial. And the defense attorneys are like, you know what? Sterling's been this model citizen. We got this. And so they bring in um, more experts. And so they bring in an Alabama forensic um, expert. And he, uh, Drea, (laughs) would you say, (laughs) would you say that Sterling has been a Sterling citizen? Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Sterling's been an upstanding citizen. The defense is like, we got this. So they go to court and they bring in an expert and um, it's a forensic um, lab expert. And this person is saying that there's no way that the killer came through the carport window and that's because um, when you look at old crime scene photos, there's plants in the way of that window where there's no way that someone would go <clears throat> up and over and blah, 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 blah. And the defense is also saying he used to do yard work. He yeah, used I mean, to cut grass the over top. there. Like he could have been over that. That print could have been there from years before. Well, months and before. if you're do- like you hurt yourself doing yard work, he could have easily like had a droplet of blood. Exactly. And so- you could argue each uh-huh. every single direction. Uh-huh. So they keep going back and forth, and then the judge all of a sudden announces that all the potential jurors need to go home and that they won't be needed. Whoa. And the trial is stopped. And the reason being is because while the prosecutors were investigating, they came across these three slides that were in evidence. And it was three... um, like vaginal swabs from all three victims. Okay. Because each one had been sexually assaulted, uh-huh. but they had never been tested. tested. Mm-hmm. One, because of backlogs. Two, because they didn't always do that. Like, yeah, they, okay. they, they didn't really have samples. There's like, a lot of stuff they're testing now. Yeah, yeah, or there wasn't enough to do it then, and now you can do mm-hmm. minimal. Yeah. And so they'd been in there for 20 years. And so two of them... Being stored correctly, which can be a problem because not everything gets stored right. Yeah. So back then, like, if it wasn't in a temperature-controlled room... Mm -hmm. You'd destroy your samples. Yeah, exactly. So they tested the samples, and um, two of them um, weren't able to pull anything from. And that was uh, Miss Mel's and Bessie Alexander, who was the third victim. Okay. And on one slide taken from the first victim, Mary Ring... Um, there was a couple degraded sperm samples. Okay. And the only DNA test possible could at best tell if a man was not the person who had had sex with the victim. Okay. And so... Like D- they can't get a profile off of it, but they can exclude... Yes. So DNA samples from Sterling, Johnny, and Johnny's brother were rushed to a lab. And the results were that the four sperm tested proved that two men had had sex with Miss Ring around the time of her death. 
but the answers about who those two men might be remained. Oh, sorry. Uh, but the answer to who they were, they had no idea. Okay. So they're inconclusive. Okay. And so Sterling then has to prepare for another trial. Um, but right before it began, Sterling's sister, who's been his like rock, who's been like yeah. fighting for him since yeah. the beginning, gets in a car crash Ooh. and dies. Um, and then um, a man that he had become best friends with on death row. Okay lost his appeal and was executed. Okay. So two sad things happened. The severity of the situation he is in is like really hitting him. And so the prosecutors offer him a plea bargain. Mm. And it's called an Alf Alford plea. It's what the dude in the staircase took. Oh really? It's saying if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. you're saying I'm pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. But I'm not admitting that I did it. Exactly. I'm saying you have enough evidence to convict me. I think if I go to trial, I'll be found guilty. Mm-hmm. I'll admit to that. Um, but I'm not saying I did it. But I'm putting in a guilty plea. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, so exactly right. So um, Sterling would not be charged with the killing of Mary Ring. And the plea would carry a life se- sentence. Instead of death. Death, yeah. Um, but there was one huge positive. Um his lawyers explained to Sterling that because he had been in prison for so long, that that he had already served a lot of time, and so he would He's be got, up for a, okay. a parole, like almost immediately. And so, with his sister passing, and with his friend dying, um, and with all of this, he finally th- says, "Fine, I'll sign this plea." But for all this time, he's always like, maintained his innocence. Exactly, and so um, he signs the um, affidavit, or no. He signs the... Alfred plea? Yeah, the Alfred plea. And they put him back into prison. Um, but the only thing was, I don't know if it wasn't read correctly or if they did something. Anyways, he's not eligible for parole. Oh. And so now he's just in prison. Um, on a guilty plea. On a guilty plea. You can't uh, appeals. You can't because mm-hmm. you've pled yeah. guilty. And so now his team is working furiously again, and they're like, it's a slim chance for parole, at least for another year. So he's in there for another year. And the parole board um, took five minutes to reject his application when he applied. Mm-hmm. Um, he then, um, he got some new lawyers, and he had another parole re- uh, hearing, and that failed. And he was re- rejected two, four more times. Hmm. Um, and then three years after Sterling went back to prison, um, they went, they tried again. They're like, here we go. We're going to try for this appeal again. Um, and so finally he was offered parole and he is now out and, um, he wants to start a ministry for, um, everyone who's like on death row mm-hmm. going through the same process he is. Um, unfortunately, um, he did get arrested for a DUI in August, 2018. But besides that, it sounds like he is, he's, kind uh, of he's doing well. Now. Yeah. Yeah crazy yeah so johnny hasn't been convicted of the murders like no one's johnny's but johnny was in jail johnny was in for the third one for mary ring yeah no so, no alexander yeah yeah huh isn't that, that crazy tacks weird there's some interesting stuff in yes there. you go back and forth um so a big big shout out to NBC and how News. popular are tie tacks back then like maybe he just had a tie tack mm-hmm. and it wasn't the tie tack yeah yeah okay nbc news 
big big shout out to NBC News. Um, an article by uh, Keith Morrison, "A Twenty Year Quest for Freedom," is essentially where I, like it's this long, very mm-hmm. detailed. Um, I want to say it's a transcript of a de- uh, of an M- NBC News like video. Got it. Couldn't find the video anywhere. Um, and also the Gaston Gazette, former death row inmate arrested in uh, Gastonia by Adam Lawson. Crazy. But it's just it felt very serial esque where you're like he did it. He didn't do it. Oh, you he heard absolutely me. You did heard it. me go through yeah. all those back and forths. So it's just. Where do you land, do you think? I don't know. I would want to see more evidence. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like, there's so many... The fact that there were three, like, why was the third death different than the other two? Uh, it was very similar. It was very, like, it, it was the torture, the strangulation left in the bathtub. All but, three. All three. But there's, yeah. there's that, To yeah. me, that is, in a small town... Mm-hmm. I find it very hard to believe that those three deaths are unrelated. Yeah. And the fact that he couldn't have done the third mm-hmm. either means that he and Johnny were doing those together and then Johnny did one without him or he didn't do them. Yeah. I just find it very... That in and of itself is a little... Yeah. Hard to get past. And to think of all those little branches where things could have been differently, like if his grandmother hadn't you know, not hesitated on the body. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. Had all the evidence in the beginning, like been in that first case. Yeah. You know, if this Jesse Pruitt guy could have been found earlier. So you he know, didn't look like cool a cool breeze. It's hard to catch a cool breeze. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> so Jesse Pruitt, cool breeze. His, um, when he first talked to the defense attorneys, he said that, um, Johnny came to him and was like, Hey, we like rob this house. We need to get rid of some of the stuff. Like here's this coin, go plant it on someone. Hmm. So he just went down to a bar and essentially was started chatting with Sterling and was yeah. like, Hey, do you do all this coin? And like gave it to him. That seems the most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's frustrating with all your witnesses are saying different things and then recanting yeah. what they said. I, if, if forced to choose, I think Johnny did all of them, and that he did just kind of get railroaded, uh, that Sterling just kind of got swept up, and they were like, he's the guy, and then they never, they couldn't unsee it. Yeah. They had blinders on. I would love to know who made the phone call. The phone call, man. Yeah, because that never came up again. Yeah. But it's like one of those cases, like, we might not know, because there's so limited evidence left. This is a very good story. I feel like other people should cover it. Because the more people that cover it, the more you get little mm-hmm. nuggets yeah. that get. And this is like, he just like, that was last year. That's crazy. Yeah. every yeah. Good find. Thank you. Yeah. I hope someone else covers this because I'd love to hear what they can also find on yeah. this case. Um, but yeah. That one's crazy enough. You could do a whole series on it. Oh, 100%. Someone could dive in like the yeah. Curtis Flowers case, mm-hmm. like the In the Dark podcast. I yeah. could see doing a really Cereal. good Serial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. You guys, pick this story up. It's great. <laughs> um, Jackie, are you reading, watching, listening to anything? Um, I don't know that my answer is much different than the other day. I'm watching a bunch of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> having a good giggle. I'm rewatching the Star Warses. Uh-huh. Hoping that I can catch up in time for the movie coming out. Star Warses. Watching a lot of Star Warses. Yeah. Uh, what am I reading? Uh, I had start, I'll like start a book and then I'll put it down. I kind of forget where it is. I want to continue to read, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, that Mm -hmm. book about the fundamentalist Mormons that Krakauer wrote. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I'm into any podcasts right now that aren't normal ones I talk about. Yeah. How about you? Um, I, we got Disney Plus, so I've been watching all that. Um, but, oh, on the side of that, Kyle had never seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I hadn't until like a year or two ago. It's such a good movie. It's so good. That's the one with Val Kilmer and uh, uh, Robert Downey uh, Jr. Yeah. yeah. It's very funny. It's so funny. And like, oh my God, it's a dark comedy. It's very good. So funny. Like one of the most underrated, brilliant it's good. Movies. Yeah. It's so good. Highly recommend that. What's that on? What'd you stream that on? Uh, no, we, we rented it. I oh. was like, you have you to watch You went to Blockbuster? This. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, I should have. You should have got a Blockbuster. We it won't it. continue if people don't go. <laughs> we ordered a pizza and I was like, well, what are we going to watch? And then, right. yeah. um, but also next week um, is finals for me. Mm. You guys, I'm graduating. Woo! I'm, oh, I'm also turning 30 on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. This is in the future. We're in January. You guys. You'll be 30. You're 30 now. <laughs> I'm 30 now. You guys, right now, it is December 9th. We are pre-recording. Um, but in two days from this date that I am recording, I will be 30. Next Friday, I will be graduating with my bachelor's degree. 2020 is going to be a good year. Yeah, well. We're recording again. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. It's all coming up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's it for me. Sweet. Just studying for finals. Wah, wah. We got Regal Unlimited. <gasps> Going to a lot of movies. We're it's missing fun. a movie right now. I know. A long <laughs> recording. We needed our producer to keep us to our tight timetable. <laughs> Super tight. Because when Kimberly makes plans, you keep them. <laughs> or you feel the wrath. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I think that's all for me. And I guess we'll wrap up. You Bye. guys, thanks for listening. Bye.